This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Overtime has always provided us with some of the greatest moments in Stanley Cup playoff history. But Marty, behind the scenes, overtime can often be made more interesting by those you're with. And in our line of work, (laughs) that has sometimes been some real characters in some hot studios, some cold studios, some really late nights which lead to really early mornings and a very quick turnaround for the next set of games. Um, Do you have any good moments alongside hockey colleagues over the years as we get set to welcome in our guest here on the podcast today? Jeff (laughs) O'Neill. Working at TSN, Jeff O'Neill. Every time a game goes into overtime, he's like, let's pre-record it. Let's let's just pretend some like, you know, somebody scored a goal. Let's pre-record the hit. We already know what we're like, Jeff, we can't pre-record the hit. We don't know who's going to score the goal and all. No, no, no. We can make it up. Let's prove because he wants to get out of there. Um, and but when it gets to double, triple, quadruple overtime, everybody wants to get out of there. So one is fun. Multiple, not so much. Historically speaking, beyond the boundaries of springtime, which is Stanley Cup playoff time, the golden rule or conventional thinking if you will at nhl network all those years was well the late game always goes to overtime (laughs) and my friend billy jaffe our friend billy jaffe knows that well as we have had the opportunity and privilege to work alongside him for a number of years we'll dive into billy's career and what he's up to now and his thoughts on everything going on around the nhl in just a second when you're serious about the game Bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily. Self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. My man... Sorry, Marty. He is kind of my man, Billy Jaffe. Oh, how I miss being able to get that massive bear hug from you. I miss giving it to you. I do. I miss, I, I, the good news is I get to listen to you guys. I watch you on TV, the two of you all the time. You have a good time. So I get to get, I get my Duffer and my Marty B uh, from that. You know, Marty and I got a long history too. We've played hoops on the road before. We've almost gotten in brawls in Tampa oh. before on the basketball court. So, okay, so you got to elaborate that. that. So, so yeah. but wait, before <laughs> Billy, Billy was covering the Islanders uh, TV MSG side when I played for the Islanders, right, Billy? So that's yep. how we started 2009, 2010. And then, um, you know, obviously through connection, the world is small. We always kind of found ourselves. And then in 1314 with NHL Network, we covered the finals. It was LA, um, New York. So we did that. And then the next year we covered the finals again. It was Chicago, Tampa. So we end up in Tampa. There's a sports athletic club, not far. Me, Billy, Mike Rupp. I don't remember who else was with us um, other than us three. So we all went there to play, shoot some hoops, have fun. Well, there's these mans that show up for pickup game, right? So Billy's like, we're playing in the pickup game. We're here. Like we're so, but not only is Billy and I love you, man, but we laugh so hard to this. Not only is Billy suggesting we play in the pickup game, he's running the show. He's like, you guys are going to be your team. We're over here. Like he is, we're calling fouls and, and he's in, like, he is running the show. Like I'm terrible at hoops. Rupper was decent. Billy's good. Like it was like, I, I shouldn't have been there, but all of a sudden, like, it, you know, it got heated and guys are throwing elbows and now we're almost getting into fights. And I'm like, I'm not fighting. I'll let Rupper and Billy do the fighting. I'm just hiding in the back there. Like I always do. <laughs> we had a good time. We, we did. It was on that uh, Harbor Island, if I remember correctly. That's yeah. where it is. Uh, you walk across, and, you know, you're sweating your ass off by the time you walk into the gym and you go there. And then you got these guys, and it's always the shortest guy around who's, you know, the point guard who's going all, you know, like Muggsy Bogues on us. And then he's starting to throw elbows and everything. And, and 
Like, what is, what is going on here? And meanwhile, I'm feeling bigger because we've got Rupper and I got Marty. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, let's go. And I'm also the old one. I'm the old part of the group. I am. So, you know, I figure I, everybody has their role, right? Everybody has their role. And I just wanted to have a good time. And we got some good exercise. Although I used to play a lot of basketball when I was younger. I stink. I stink now. Awful. But anyways, a lot of fun. It's awesome to see you guys. I've had... Honest to God, the, the memories of the two of you guys have been in plentiful, both on and I got on the ice, so to speak, but involved with hockey and then yeah. off the ice too. We've yeah. had some fun times. Uh, all those jokes that happen in the very wee hours of the morning at NHL Network, who you're still working with now, but in a different location yeah. as we used to be based in Toronto. And through the people that we work with, like they still come up. Billy, like I'll get a text from G man, you know, and it'll be like, Oh my, you know, like, Oh, you got harried. You know? Yes. You got and yes. Oh God. That place. The good news about that place stuff, if I remember correctly, right. Is that we never worked ungodly long shifts. Like we never worked six hours in a row. I'm kidding. We did. I mean, my, it, it was like a clockwork orange after a while, your oh. eyes were just like wide open. One of my favorite memories from that, by the way, was when the Boston Bruins were down four to one in the first round of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Maple Leafs were about to win their first. I don't remember if we worked together or not. All I, I know was is- I wasn't working that night. But if you're going to tell me that you were working with Garrett, I can't wait to hear this. I was. I was working <laughs> with Garrett. OK, so I had the early shift and I'm there. And Garrett, for people listening or watching, is our was our producer who's a slightly rabid Leafs fan. Um, and um, it's 4-1. And I'm now I'm, I, I had been doing Bruins stuff. But anyways, I was, I was at the network. That was my week to be at the network. It's 4-1. And now I'm like, oh, boy. All right. Well, the run's over. So I go into the production room when my shift's over. And next thing you know, it's 4-2. And I'm standing there not saying it's 4-3. And then we're like, and then it was 4-4 and I thought for sure the console was going to be broken and then when Bergeron scored in overtime I'm just kind of doing the Homer Simpson backing up laughing my ass off going like that into the, and G rant oh did he go crazy but it was fun I say it was a great memory because I was still working you know starting to work with the Bruins more and more yeah. but uh good memories up there great great so yeah I'm with the NHL network now NHL radio and the Bruins and so keeping busy buddy just like you guys we're trying Marty keeps us hopping every day. It's great. I, I laugh so much because you have such a strong memory of that game. Our fans in Buffalo who dislike the Leafs will enjoy the story because they always love seeing a little pain on Leafs fans. And I mean, they probably enjoyed game seven, uh, Toronto Tampa this year with Tampa uh, beating the Leafs 2-1. But I remember it was game seven they in that's 2012 playoffs right so it was mm-hmm. game seven between the rangers and the capitals in washington yeah. and we are just trouncing the washington capitals it is literally five one or six one early in the third lundquist comes to the bench and he's always extra focused and he goes hey it looks like we're gonna play toronto in the next round i'm like like I never heard you say a word in a game before. Like you always so, <laughs> and now he's paying attention to the out of score, uh, out of town scoreboard. And then he comes back like seven minutes later and he goes, uh, it's four, four. They're going to OT. I'm like, I'm not even paying attention. He's playing a game and he's paying attention to other games around the league. Right. So I realized oh, he was something special then. Um, but that's funny that we all have different, you know, memories of that same game. And I think a lot of fans do. That's that's the yeah. beauty of sports. Right. That and was- so the real question is we're seeing Tampa taking on Florida now, but where we had seen Toronto's failures most often at the hands of the Bruins. Yeah. Billy, if the Bruins and Leafs had met again in the first round, would you be still doing more work for Nesson would the Bruins have been able to do what Tampa did and get past Toronto this year? Wow, that's a good hypothetical. Um, I think the Bruins may have had a little bit better of a chance than beating Carolina. And even though they took Carolina to seven games, I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate homer series, you know, both mm-hmm. teams had split personalities, home versus road. The Bruins did have a harder 
time with the Leafs, there was one game where they were down like 6-1 in the game. They did come back in the third and played pretty darn well, but the Leafs really came out, you know, totally rocket ship. I mean, they were all over the beast. Um, yeah, you know, listen, I, if, if, I think maybe a little bit better of a chance, um, if only because I think Carolina is one of the best teams in the league. And look, Toronto had a great regular season. I'm not trying to pacify any Leaf fans that may or may not be listening here. But when it's all said and done, you know, the Leafs are still, at least in my opinion, learning how to win. And that's something that the Bruins with the Bergeron, Marchand, you know, duo and a couple of other guys, Charlie McAvoy, just a special, special player in the making. I think they have a little bit of, of that in their, in their DNA. Does it mean they win? I, I guess, hey, look, they, like I said, they pushed one team to a game seven. I think they would have pushed Toronto to at least a game seven as well. And because we are talking about the Boston Bruins, I almost feel like uh, this could be a bit of an exit interview, right? At the end of the season when the players all wait in line to yep. go see the coaches and the GM. So we have you. A big question mark is Bergeron. Uh, you know, I mean, even you can even talk about goaltending. They have Swayman, who they relied for the last five games of the series. Allmark started. There, there's a lot of question mark moving forward in Boston. Is the window closed? Is that window that they had last few years, is it closed? So you're probably the best person to address some of these big storylines in Boston right now. Um, I, I think it's not closed when you have Marshan, Pasternak, uh, McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm. I don't think it's closed, but is it open? Uh, it, it, it probably needs a little WD-40, you know what I mean, to keep that window open right now. This is a huge offseason. Um, last season was big, guys. And I said when they signed all of these different free agents, the Eric Howlers, the Nick Felinos, uh, Tomas Nosek, I, the way I called it or analyzed it was, this is one of those ultimate concoctions that your young child makes and says, hey, daddy, try this, try this, try this. You know, and they put everything in it together. They put it in the freezer. They take it out. They said, I made you ice cream, right? And you're like, oh, and you taste it with like, <laughs> with like ketchup in it and hot sauce. But actually, it tastes pretty good every once in a while. And you do it as a supportive dad, right? And then there's the other times that you just want to, you need to puke your guts out, but you don't want to do it in front of them. So that that was, was in high school before the dance with, <laughs> with substances completely different than the ones you're talking about. But yes. Okay. Well, that's a different concoction. Yes. But the concoction was what it was. And I think that this, this, it, it was big and it kind of worked and it has it didn't as well. This off season, Marty is huge for the Bruins. Yeah. It starts with Bergeron. We have no idea what he's going to do. He has earned the right to take, a little bit of time. I don't think he's going to wait as long as David Krejci did to make his decision. That hindered this team an awful lot. I don't need to tell you guys. You guys are hockey experts, too. You understand the value of a 1A, 1B, or a high one and a high level two center that makes your team so special. The Bruins miss Krejci in so many ways. And they tried to replace him at times here and there. And then Eric Howlett came through for a while in the regular season. But anyways, they missed him. So this offseason, holy smokes, this Don Sweeney, uh, you know, and Don Sweeney, by the way, earlier today addressed his contract status. He was asked if he had a new deal yet. And he said, no, and I'm paraphrasing, but he expects that to be handled soon. So it sounds like, you know, that was a big question from the media right away. They met with him. Sounds like, you know, he will be expected to be done very soon. So he's going to have a ton of work. And I think it's a watershed type of summer for the Boston Bruins. And one of the reason why, Duffer, sorry, I'm asking is that uh, obviously the Sabres are, are climbing up, right? I mean, they finished the season in a really good spot. They got prospects and they're moving up. They do have some holes to fill. Goaltending maybe one, uh, will be one. But uh, to be able to get into the top three, top four of the Atlantic Division, you, you, somebody's got to come out of it, right? And you got Florida, Tampa, Toronto, And Boston and, you know, fans in Buffalo are looking at Boston saying, what are they going to do this summer? What is, is this a team that Buffalo can say, we're going to get close to Boston or is it Tampa that, I mean, they could go for a three peat now, who knows, but is it Tampa that maybe has an off year of Florida or Toronto? Like you got to get in the top four at the very least, try to make the playoffs. 
Yeah. Um, assuming that Florida keeps most of their players, I just think they're too deep um, to fall out in the regular season. They might not end up being a Stanley Cup team. I mean, that's we're in wait-and-see mode with them right now, right? I mean, this was huge for them finally winning their first playoff series since 96. But, you know, this this group is pretty good. As far as ba- uh, Tampa, um, I don't know how you would never not make the playoffs with Andre Vasilevsky manning your net, <laughs> unless he is just absolutely exhausted or – I guess hurt, you know what I mean? Again, in trying to play through it. I just think when he's focused, is there a better goalie in the world? I don't, I don't think so. I don't, and I don't even know if it's close. And that's not disrespectful to anybody else right now out there. Um, uh, Boston might be a team, depending on what they, if Patrice does not come back, I mean, you're talking about, you got it, you have a fork in the road. Are you talking rebuild? Or are you talking a retool with those aforementioned players that I already said, especially the McAvoy and the Hampus Lindholm on the back end? There's also rumbling that Brad Marchand, by the way, is going to get an opinion uh, on his hip. Is he going to need hip surgery? If he does, I mean, that could be four months, right? Four or five months. So is he ready to come back? So a lot of questions with this team. I, I guess when you list the teams, they might be one of them. The Sabres could elevate beyond. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to throw you guys on the spot here but do you think buffalo is ready legitimately ready to take that next step i mean i'm not talking about when the season is done and there's not a lot of pressure on them next step i'm talking about pressure time making it to the playoffs next step you know better than i do i think it's going to be really 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 hard to make that leap all in one year um yeah now i do like the opportunity that's in front of them because of what they learned this year as far as what they want to keep and so I think they know how to accent the roster best now where perhaps before they didn't but it's going to come down to addressing that need and goal and and then figuring out how to round out what I think would be a top nine of scoring um and boy Marty like how do you close what is in reality a 30 point gap to the playoffs as it stands right now i I agree with you i think it's going to be excuse me hard but i didn't see the la kings making it into the playoffs surprises you in a positive way or in a negative way Mm -hmm. so could they get in i think the best chance for buffalo to be honest with you would be if they were a wild card too so if you're thinking of Tampa, Florida, Toronto, Boston being the top four in the Atlantic. And hopefully in the Metropolitan Division, there's a few teams that have a bad go and there's only three teams from that division. Maybe Pittsburgh takes a big step back. Maybe you're only looking at, maybe Washington takes a big step back, right? So you're only looking at Carolina, Rangers, uh, and I'm blanking on one right now, but, uh, you know. Just keep in mind that from December on, the Islanders were a top, 12 exactly teams. so <laughs> but they, they should not the be way. ruled out of this at all so, so it's some of the way the way i look at it so anyway but yeah. boston to me you're right billy i think the window's not closed um i like your analogy of wd-40 because sometimes it helps for a little bit but is right. it a long-term solution that it, it may not be mm-hmm. it's not it, it won't be until they address their center needs right because we know patrice is only playing one or two more years that's my take. If he does, and they don't have a legit number two, and they need to get some physical size and snarl around in, in the lineup, especially on the back end. You know, it's that's that's a, a a gap or a, a thing that they're missing significantly. So what's the other bit? Well, I mean, I don't want to belabor the Toronto point too much here, but what do you what do you, Marty and I have already kind of done it, Billy? What do you what do you think? If, if one thing changes in Toronto from now to the start of next year, what, what's it going to be? Well, well, are they able to sign Campbell? Are they going to be like, are they, do they want to, uh, I don't know the free agent goalie market in front of me. Right. Who in the right mind? Yeah. Well, who in the right mind would want to go playing under that heat? You want to talk about a lava lamp. It's not just like a suntan. It's it's, it, it would absolutely I can't imagine that place is a goalie scorching hot. 
Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what changes if they, if I tell you, if they don't get a goalie as good as Campbell, then what changes is that they'll struggle as much, you know, can they bring Giordano back? I think so. I, I think so. My guess is, and that's nice. It's nice depth. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, I know, I, I saw the comments from, I don't remember if it was Shanahan or Dubas. They don't want to, you know, make change just to go laterally. Nobody does. Right. That, you don't make a move to go lateral unless I guess you're saving yourself millions of dollars in cap space. And then you're really still not going lateral because you've opened up cap space. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that they have to make a move there. I think they have to. I mean, if they don't, then they're, then it's the definition of insanity, I guess. They're just doing the same thing over and over. Um, you know, Nylander is the easiest one to trade. I'm sure you guys already discussed that because of his contract and because of his, yeah, people love goals, need goals, and he can do it. But you're not building your team around him. You're not. You need to know that going in. I don't know. I, I think that there's still I, I think that there's still a, a, a fun team, but I do think that they need a change there. I do. And because Buffalo's also going to be looking at goaltenders, I'm just going to say these names, and then you can kind of like marinate a little bit. So Marc-Andre Fleury, UFA, 37 years old, with the state in Minnesota. Miko Koskinen and Edmonton. He's 33 UFA. Darcy Kemper, Colorado. He's UFA at the end of the season. Who knows? You got guys like Tomas, uh, Tomas Grice, Corpusello, Georgiev, Samsonov. Um, you know, you've got uh, then you got some secondary option like Big Save David Nashville or Casey DeSmith, but I don't think you're going that way. Vili Uso is probably the guy at the top of the list for everybody, but he's like a one-year kind of right you know, uh, look and now he's sitting on the bench behind Bennington, right? So that's kind of like where you're at. So the, the, the free agent market's not great for goaltenders, um, which leads me to just another question on Boston possibly. And, and that could loop in goaltenders. If they wanted to move one of their two goaltenders, and if they wanted to move a guy like Jake DeBrusque, who was at the ask for a trade, could Boston be a player in this goalie market by trading maybe Allmark, maybe Swayman? I don't think they trade Swayman, but I think Allmark could be on the move. Sure. Could they try to? Yes. Um, and again, I'm, I, but Linus has either a partial no trade or a full no trade in his deal. Now that are no move. So that doesn't mean though, you can't go talk with the player, right. And say, Hey, listen, this is an opportunity. Um, one of the things that, and as a former goalie, maybe you can tell me better. The relationship that is developed between Swayman and Linus Olmar has been, it's, it's a, it's a big time goalie bromance. Like it is, they, he, he supports the kid. He's helped bring it along. He's been one of the best buddies. He's been his best buddy, meaning help, you know, bring, bring Jeremy Swayman along. Yeah. And and how important is that to keep that relationship? Does it meaning, meaning for a guy like Swayman who, you know, you don't want to see him get stalled in his development. And is that important? I don't know. Like, look, if they were to be able to move a guy like Linus Olmark, he's got three years left at $5 million a year. Mm-hmm. If you can move him to a team that doesn't need him for 60-something games, you're going to get 40 to 50 games out of him, right? And if you can do your cumulative goaltending expenditure of seven, $8 million, mm-hmm. right? Most teams can tolerate that, right? It's just, I think the biggest thing uh, is again, what's his no move? What's uh, cap, his, what's his, you know, what does he hold? Cap friendly it, says it doesn't kick in until 23, no, 24. So. It's a full no move. Now it becomes a modified in 23, 24 mm, of okay. 16 teams and then 15 teams in 24, 25. But the first two years were full no move. Okay. okay. So that's huge. I mean, that's huge. But still yeah. doable. Well, it is. But if you go to him and say, we'd like to inquire about trading you. And then what if you don't? Correct. What if you can't? Because then all of a sudden, somebody's got you by the the the, the gotchkeys, right? You know what I mean? And they're like, you want to move that? And then the Bruins will get what they want back, or any team for that sure. matter. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, what if what have you what have you done now? Like you know, I, I mean that's a that's a heavy thing, I think. But you know, Linus got better and better as the year went on. Mm-hmm. You guys know him better than I. Again, I have because of COVID. <laughs> I have never been able to say to Linus Olmark, hi, how are you? I'm Billy. Yeah. Great to see you and talk with you and get to you. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching or, or complaining to the choir. You guys understand that. I, like 
going to the room. I've lost so much of that contact that makes such a difference to get to know the guys. And so it's been very hard, but he seems to be I really like, think about. I really like Linus. I'll give you a piece of advice. Do not shake his hand with your hand turn over his. I <laughs> went to see him. I think he was coming back in the summer. I'm like, hey, Linus, how's your summer? And I shook his hand. You know, sometimes naturally your hand goes one way or the yeah. other and it came yeah. on top and he goes, what are you doing? Trying to dominate me by having your hand on top of my hand? <laughs> like he's quirky like that, right? So yeah. people in Buffalo will know that. And I, I, it always stood in my mind that next time I would shake his hand, mm. I keep about a stiff arm neutral as you can get <laughs> so that he doesn't feel like you're trying to third your domination. So yeah. yes. That's, see, that um, just goes back anyway. to the start of the pod because that's that's why I lean in and get a big hug from Billy. You know, just forgo the handshake altogether. Yes, and, just yeah. big exactly. hug. Yeah. Big hug. Yeah. Now, hug now we all do the fist bump anyway. So it's like whatever. <laughs> but okay, listen, let's move on from Boston quickly because I know you covered the league from A to Z. And another team that they're doing their post-mortem or their playoff exit interview. And again, you're the first on the list, Billy. So you walk into the GM's office in Pittsburgh. Now, what do you see or what do you tell the GM when Malkin says, I want to retire a pins, but I understand if they want to be younger, you know, they have to do what they have to do. You got him, you got Latang, you got Rust. And that's well for Pittsburgh. Let's, let's, let's not forget something about Pittsburgh guys is that they have new ownership there too. Yes. And they have not uh, gone through an off season. And I rhetorically asking, I don't know again, are they on board with their management there? <laughs> is that, is that their guys? Are they good with it? I think that is something that, that will be, I'm guessing investigated. I'm guessing mm -hmm. discussed. Um, with regard to Evgeny Malkin, it is Ron Excel and Brian Burke. I right? don't know. So there's some, some some big personalities there too. Yeah, no no question about it. But you know, Fenway Sports and Entertainment owning it now. Every ownership group has their own way. They've got their own style, and they're going to look at it and say, "Is this is this what we you know need yeah. to do for leading the team?" I, I think that uh, a guy like Malkin. Uh, if he really wants a longer term deal, you can't, you can't sign it. I don't think no. you can. I just, I just, just, I don't think it's really exactly rocket science to say that either, or ultra, you know, hockey analysis. He's fantastic, but he's got a couple of years when he, he's fantastic when he wants to be. We've seen that. We know that. Mm -hmm. But are, are, are you, you know, they're, they're very similar to Boston, by the way. This team is very similar. This is a watershed summer for them as well in Pittsburgh. And so, you know, you've got to make some of these hard decisions. I would think Latang is a better place to spend money in that regard than, than Malkin. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Malkin will be in demand from certain teams. I don't know, again, not having the cap friendly in front of me and everything, what every team can afford. He won't be without a job. He'll, but is, is he going to get a three or four year deal anywhere? I would guess no, that's what, who, who's going to pay that. For? They're both 35 plus. So yeah. I'm sitting here thinking <laughs> like if they truly love the Pittsburgh Penguins, can you not just wink, wink, keep taking one year deals? Sure you can. But you can take one year deals because it's 35 and over. It could be with some incentive. Correct. So you can have a base salary and some incentive. They're only entry-level deals and 35 and over one-year deals are allowed to have bonuses. So you could, I think Latang makes sense. I think Malkins is gone as as yeah. as anybody. I I don't know. I look at this team. I love Jake Gensel. I, I love his oh. game. I'm a fan of Brian Russ, but he's a free agent, right? Yes. Yep. I mean, and <clears throat> excuse me, will they be able to pay him? <clears throat> what he wants. Um, he, he's the I, toughest one because he's lived in this world with superstars, presumably has benefited greatly from playing with superstars, but because the Penguins are so injury prone, has often, you know, found a way to succeed without some of those guys. But he's 30 years old. Like this is the only time he's right. ever going to be able to go for it contractually. So you're right. That's a tough one for Pittsburgh. 
I mean, is he is he put himself? He's he's a he was at three and a half a year. You know, he was at three and a half a year. Sorry, Billy. And and last year he was almost a point a game with fifty eight points in sixty. Two years ago, before the the pandemic, he had 56 points in 55 games with 27 goals. What is what is six team season? That's five and a half, six million, right? A guy that could get you close to 30 goals in an 82 game season and mm-hmm. over 60 points. Mm-hmm. That's that's the money that basically Brian Ross has to sit with his family and his agent and say, do I take four and a half in pit or do I go for six plus somewhere else? Yeah. Well, he's a Michigan guy. Uh, is Stevie Eiserman ready to start? Is he ready to start putting some pieces in that puzzle there? Are they ready just yet? Does that take the pressure off of Lucas Raymond to bring in a guy like Russ? Does, I don't know. Does Russ want to, does he want to go back home and, and, and do that? I could see that as a, if we're hot stove in it, I guess a potential place right there. But I think anywhere he goes, he's for sure six million. For sure. I just do. And I think you have just opened the idea of what I think will be the most interesting team to watch this offseason. Because the Red Wings, for all the talk of building and building and accumulating assets, finally put a couple of prominent kids on display. They succeeded. They teased for a while. Overachieved, perhaps. But you're right. They've got room to add in now. And let's not forget one of their real scoring threats consistently didn't play the whole year, but he's been nothing but really good as a Red Wing and Jacob Vrana. Keep giving them a few more weapons up front. This team has the potential. I, I was thinking earlier in the year when Nazem Kadri was the talk of the league, where is he going to go? And I kept thinking Detroit or Seattle, Detroit or Seattle, because both of these teams could utilize a guy like him and have the room to do it. Well, listen, if the Boston Bruins don't get Patrice Bergeron back, could you act? Could, could you see that happening? I mean, after the, uh, the I think we have technical difficulties against- here. <laughs> <laughs> you just I, sent, I, you just <laughs> sent an awful chill down the spine of our audience. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, could you, could you see that? I don't know. I don't know what the Bruins would think of that. But uh, yeah, um, I, I I mean, I think a guy though, a guy like Rust, the mature, the cerebralness with which he plays and the same thing about uh, Gensel. Mm. I just love, I just love Gensel, just the way that he plays it too. But I I think, you know, if Steve Eisenberg looks at it and says, Hey, 30 on 31, get here in five year deal. You know, we have leadership, we help out. I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe you guys remember better. When did Steve Eiserman, uh, you know, when did, when did Steve Eiserman start adding to the Tampa team? Was it when he made that big Ryan McDonough trade in the, was it 12, 13? And he kept him there. Yeah. So, I mean, is he, is he ready? Is he ready to make that step? Is he ready to take that? But he doesn't want to jam up too much money because I don't believe right. this Red Wing team is nowhere I don't think they're ready to make a, a gargantuan step just yet. Yeah, I don't think they are, but you know what it is when you're trying to build these bridge between team and community. And, and obviously like we, we are in Buffalo trying to do the same thing. Kevin Adams says, always, we want guys that want to be here. And I think Detroit is in that same boat right now, right? Is that they've not been really good. They're trying to find their identity They've got some good players, but then it's the ultimate, like, we want guys that want to be here. And what? Who, who wants to be there more than guys that are from there, right? And that, I think, is a big selling point to your ownership, to your fan base. Uh, it gives you production, and it sells tickets a little bit at the same time. So I, I don't know. I think that's, that's one story. Another, quickly, I mean, obviously, uh, from a former – Pens and a former Bruins to now the GM of the Minnesota Wild, Billy Guerin. He's got a busy summer. I know you're you're into everything that's happening, but having to be minus twelve point seven million on your cap this year, and then fourteen point seven the next two years after that. That's that's handcuffing a GM and a team as much as it will ever get. Yeah, uh, 
I, I was actually talking about that earlier today, um, doing my Boston radio segment Wednesday morning, because there's a lot of questions about, you know, the Bruins, how are they going to deal with this? And they're, they don't have a lot of cap space. I said, well, at least they've got some cap space right now. Minnesota is, you know, they're, you know, they're really, you know, I, I give Billy Guerin real big props for going for it. You want to talk about putting it on the line this year. That's if that, is that not Jimmy Rutherford to a T I mean, where he learned from, he, he studied under for years in Pittsburgh, just going for it. I think it is. And now it didn't work. So now he's going to have to get even more creative. Obviously the Kevin Fiala situation is enormous there. I don't know how they end up keeping him because they're going to have to get rid of somebody else too. I mean, they're just, they're just going to have to, but you know, can you keep you know, He's made it clear. He said, I want to keep both goalies. Really? You really think, I mean, this, this, I don't see how that works there. That, I, I just, I, I just don't. I, I, I'm not saying they didn't get along. I have no idea about that. They seem like fine together. They did great down the stretch, you know, playoffs. It was flurry show until the end, but I don't see how that works. I, I, I don't, unless flower, unless Mark Andre just said, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'll take 2 million. I, and I don't know if I see that happening. I don't even know that that works because of the, I, I think Kevin Talbot's a great guy. And I think Mark Andre Fleury is a great guy. I think it works for two months, three months, but looking ahead to a full season where you say, I want to play. Well, I want to play. Well, I, I just, I just don't think it works um, in a, in a team concept. So that's the big thing. Uh, and the money is another thing, but uh, uh, Kevin Fiala, is I mean Duffer probably watched more Minnesota Wild this year than any other any other people on this planet because I kept getting texts about Kaprizov and about Fiala and about uh, Boldy and about all of it. So is he then a prime like guy to just find a new home and and yeah. make his money that way? Seems like it, right? It seems like you know you talk about Russ having an opportunity. Well, so does Fiala. I mean, what a, what a year he had down the stretch. I'm pulling up his numbers, 85 points. Now yeah. just three assists in the playoffs, but let's, you know, we don't need to dovetail into that, but 85 points in a full 82 game season. And it's a contract year. So there may be a little pause for concern there. They're like, okay, elevated for this year. But <clears throat> I think that, you know, if we're talking 6 million for rust, uh, it's easily six million for Fiala, if not more. I mean, yeah. eighty-five in an eighty-two game season. So you're talking seven to eight million. I don't yeah. see how it works there. I don't. But you know, no. the question becomes: is how do you entice these guys to go from an exciting atmosphere where you're really competitive to places that are on the come, but you know it's going to be a couple of years before it's that same thing? I don't know. I I, I don't know. And I, that's part of the recruitment recruiting now uh, in the National Hockey League come the offseason. Well, we've only hit on about uh, 18% of the teams in the NHL, so we'll save the other uh, 82% for somewhere down the road in the summertime because <laughs> I would rather end with more fun-type stuff that we started the show with. So, Billy, answer me this. Yep. How, on a regular basis, do you work with a former goaltender as an analyst? As you do, as you do on your podcast. I mean, I can't imagine such a daily yeah. existence. Raycroft, um, Raycroft, he's as normal as a guy I've ever been around. That's the scariest part. I keep waiting for like, you know, the Sybil in him to come out. You know, the weird guy. Uh, Marty was actually very normal. Marty, I mean, Marty, I, I mean, met a person a microphone a moment that he didn't like to speak and i know you know that too now i can't talk because i've got a big mouth and i go on and on um I, you know i don't I, I honestly don't even know i don't know if razor andrew raycroft has any quirks i don't know i i've never seen it he's chill he comes in uh just does his stuff i mean take two rolls of tape by the way marty if, if yeah. your child playing hockey used a roll of tape each game to keep his ankles upright you know tight taped and everything what would you think would you think that that's all right now that you're paying for it or would you or, or no would i never like did that? it when my parents paid for it so i'll tell you that so <laughs> <laughs> i waited until tape was free uh and uh 
Yeah, I always get the uh, the text from my former equipment managers in the league, and they're like, hey, our tape budget was never so high as when you played here or whatnot. So, yeah, I, I Razor's good. I like him. Uh, since we're on that subject, um, and I don't want you to say anything bad, but in Buffalo and in the rest of the league, I mean, people have their opinion of Jack, right? Jack Edwards and some of the moments that he's had this year defending the holy child who is Brad Marchand. So um, do you guys laugh and have a good chuckle about that sometimes after the games? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, every play-by-play -play guys and broadcasters for teams for that matter, um, I always call it the 55-45 rule. I do. I don't know about you guys, where you have 55% towards your, you know, your market. That doesn't mean that you're blind to it, but you, you support and then you, you're honest. Jack is one of the most unique, passionate people I've ever really been around. And again, because of COVID, I rarely ever saw him in the last two years. I, uh, I but he is uh, incredibly well prepared. But he has definitely, the beautiful thing about our telecast, I'm probably being more serious than what you want, is that everybody speaks their mind there. Everybody does. And, and we've disagreed, you know, we've uh, before on things. And I know that shouldn't come as a surprise because he is a, he is a staunch view in certain things. He is a, the, passionate might not even be the right term. I don't know what it, it he is. He is just uh, incredibly, um, and when he's ingrained in something, or I guess it could be that opinion, it's embedded in him, uh, and that's what he—that's what he believes in. So you just—you know what you do? Hey, that's your choice. Don't know if I'm always going to agree, and I think he feels the same way about me and 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 us with what we do. A good question, Mark. I was actually—I was actually surprised that he actually mentioned and thought that the uh, Jake DeBrus goal against Carolina may not have counted. I was like, oh my goodness, wait a second. Like, like usually no, that would have been like 100%. That. That's a good goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought he, he was going to say, that's a good goal, 100%. And he was like, ooh, he's pushing the pad here. Like, I mean, I, it was, I was surprised by that. But, you know, that's, that's him. I, I mean, he's, uh, I could think though, I'm, I'm racing through my head quickly, of five guys around the National Hockey League that, are all Homer. They're all Homer. Now they might do it in a different tone and a different way, but if you listen game in, game out, maybe you guys would disagree with me. But I mean, I think there's a lot more of that, of that, uh, you know, vibe from play by play guys, perhaps. And certain teams in general, even their analysts, I can think of a couple, are very one sided. And that's just, I don't know, tell you, but by the way, we've never been told once, never once. Never. I've never, ever had it while working my over decade now with Nesson. What to say, what? Never. Not even. Actually, it's never even been mentioned. Ever. Nothing. So it, it, I love that about it. Yeah, we feel, <laughs> you know, and it's it, it's been a tough 11 years, Billy. <laughs> no, no, no playoffs. Right. Um, but I, I think we feel very much the same here. Um, and honestly, I. I feel really fortunate that that's most often been the case, you know, mm -hmm. wherever we've been, you are trusted to use your instincts and deliver what, you know, you were hired to deliver. So, um, but I will say this, um, just sitting here reminiscing with you guys and Marty, feel free to tweak the question or guide us down this path. But Billy, we typically end the, the episode with like our three stars the past week or something. But I'm sitting here thinking about all the people that we have collectively worked with, you know, yeah. analysts, yeah. co-hosts, things like that over the years. And I would never say, give me the top three people you've worked with. That's not fair because we could never whittle it down. But if you were to tell people about three people that you worked with, and you don't have to go into huge stories, but I think it would be intriguing, interesting for the audience to, to know. And Marty, you can do likewise. Um, does, it's past or present, right? It's yeah. three people that, that, that you would find people would think really interesting that you worked with over the course of your career. 
Well, I guess the way that I'm actually taking it right now is who's had significant impacts on my career. Um, and there's been a lot. And I know it sounds cliche, and but it, it's true. I mean, everybody I've more or less worked with, there's only been a few jackasses, only a few. I mean, most hockey people are awesome. <laughs> Um, it's very, if you're not well liked in the hockey world, not, you're not always going to appeal to everybody, but for the most part, you know, people are liked, And so that, that's great. Um, you know, I, I, I won't get sappy, but you and I at NHL network, great, great together. Like you, you, you're a hockey savant. I don't know how you understand and you're all that. I, I don't get it, but like, I'm like, okay, I'm a duffer. Fine. We can go for eight hours here. All right. All right, Mark Chrysler. Sure, we'll work double shifts tonight. Go ahead. You know, <laughs> I, I'm with the duffer over here. So we'll just get that that out of the way. Um, mm. I I will say, uh, uh, Howie Rose. Howie Rose with the Islanders was is an amazing human being, and an amazing storyteller on the air. A fantastic play by play guy that could do it. He would have sometimes three conversations going on at once. He'd be calling play by play. He'd be talking to the guys back in the truck. And then he'd start telling a story, go back to play by play. So he's having three different conversations. And then, you know, kind of looking at me too. We had, you want to talk about sucking. There were a couple of years at the Islanders that they stunk. And we had more. I was there. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> we, we could do a whole show on just Islander stuff. We could on, on, on coaches and people and yeah. all that. No, Mark. Marty, you were a beacon of light there. We would sit in the locker room and just talk as you un unwrapped your tape. Your mummy, you you would demummify. Um, uh, we just had a great, great time. But uh, no, but uh, so Howie Rose was was just tremendous to work with and and, and an unbelievable pro. Um, there was another guy, and he's a behind the scenes guy. His name's Kevin Meininger, who's a producer. He's now a high executive at at MSG Network. Uh, out of New York and Duffer, he meant, um, you know, the first two years or so that I was there, he was that guy that you want to talk about a grade A producer. He knew the game but more than, I mean, he, he knew the game, not kind of, he knew hockey. He could tell you things, you know, he'd be like, Hey, Hey bud, take a look at this. You know, and I, and cause he got to know me right away in my style. And he just taught me so much that I, I'll never forget how much that, that he did in, in that regard in just those two years. Um, two other guys. One is Doc Emmerich. I'm sure you've heard of him. I had the great fortune of working an awful lot with Doc Emmerich. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, I was, I was a nothing, nobody and still pretty much am, but you know, here I am working college hockey nationally with Doc Emmerich during the first lockout in 04, we did more games. We did like 20 something, 30 games around the country together. And, you know, it was always, hello, William. He never called me Billy. It was always William, Bill, I don't know, sir, whatever, you know, it was always, hey, um, and, and, and it was just to watch the, the, the magic that was Doc Emmerich at that time. We would have a great time and we'd go hang out after the game. Think about that. There's no hockey except I'm doing the, college hockey and the American league. And I'm doing all the college with, with doc Emmerich. That was fantastic. And then lastly, this guy didn't work with him, but he got me into it. His past since was a gentleman. I always like to try and thank him. Jim Fitzgerald was his name. And uh, for some reason in 1997, 98, he felt he was a liaison to the PR department. He had a, he had a PR firm, but he did stuff with Chicago Blackhawks. And he just thought that I would be good at broadcasting. And he said, look, we need somebody to take over for Darren Pang, who's going to ESPN full-time. That's when Panger was just still doing Blackhawk pregame intermission post and starting to do games for ESPN as well. And he said, uh, Panger's leaving full-time. We're going to go full-time. And uh, uh, what would you be interested? I have no idea what he saw in me. This was a gentleman that I knew from the health club. We were working out like I was 28 years old, and these guys were all like my older brother or father at 5.36 in the morning. He knew I played hockey at a good level. He knew, I guess he knew I liked the BS. And he said, I think you'd be good. And so that was it. So Jim Fitzgerald also huge. My, the most significant, because if, if it wasn't for him, I never would have fallen into the business. So how long did you work in Chicago? I worked in Chicago uh, two years with the Blackhawks. So I did pregame intermission, postgame for them. 
And then I started doing Wolves games right away, too. I got an opportunity to do the Wolves stuff. And that was great. Wayne Mesmer, I don't know if you remember yeah. him. Yeah. Marty, you remember the anthems that he yes. would sing to? Yeah. Unbelievable anthem. Unbelievable. He also gave me great advice. I know it seems obvious. You two guys are pros, so you know this. He said to me the first time, uh, uh, in my first full-time year with them, I was working with Judd Surratt, who's another guy who's had a huge impact on my career. Um, he said, I, like, I love what you guys are doing. And he said, you know why? Because it sounds like you're sitting at the bar and you're letting us talk with you. And I hadn't, I was a, I didn't know, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to figure out the world. And he said, that's it. Just talk like we're at the bar and we're having a good time and, you know, polished, obviously. But, you know, do that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I worked with the Blackhawks for two seasons, the Wolves for one and a half seasons. And then I fell in, into the Atlanta Thrashers gig. Mm-hmm. by chance uh you know and then i started my nhl so three years in i i was into you know the thrashers doing their radio color and then uh, tv as well tv analysis and stuff with intermission that's really cool marty uh, it's a hard to follow because you guys are so good and i don't I, i'll do it quick um other than you two who have been amazing um i am going to say one character that I could tell a story about, and you guys can as well, is Kevin Weeks. Um, and we can tell Weeksy stories forever. And I still will be 80 years old, 90 years old, and I'll tell stories about Weeksy at the Winter Classic in Washington, where it's like 22 degrees outside and he's sweating on set because it's too warm, right? Like he's always too warm. Like the studio yeah. is literally 55 degrees when he's working. So week C is one that I think is awesome. My first time doing color analyst um, in a game, and I've only done it a few times. I love it. I got a call from the MSG people. Joe Micheletti had ruptured his Achilles tendon, and they said, Marty, you need to fly to Minnesota. I was my first year retired, and you're going to do radio with Kenny Alberts. I'm like, I'm going to do radio with Kenny freaking Alberts. Like, you know, really? And so, and Kenny has always been fantastic. And obviously he covered us with the Rangers. I think he's, uh, he's one of my all-time favorite. And the last one I never worked with, but he's my role model in a sense of what he did as a player, how he turned his career into a broadcaster. And now as a team president uh, is John Davidson. Uh, I think JD revolutionized what was a, color analyst. He was prepared. He had stats. He thought the game, he explained the game well, and he moved into front office, which eventually I think that's something maybe I'd love to do. Um, so he's kind of like my role model in that way. Those would be my three characters probably. Yeah. Those are great. Those are, those are great. And weeks. Yeah. Sweatosaurus is weeks. Sweatosaurus. Yeah. Sweatosaurus. He was the, he's the sweatosaurus. Always. Oh, can we turn it? Can we turn it down here a little bit? Can we, uh, you know, and he's he's sitting there, you know, he's he's, he's uh, fanning himself. The poor guy. I actually can appreciate that. I'm I'm similar in that regard. Duffer, really, yeah. really, you're that way. Oh, I get hot all the time, all the time. Hang on, um, how much hair do you have under that cap? That doesn't matter. That doesn't <laughs> well, matter so you're, anymore. You're you're not shaving it completely, right? Like I am. Uh, I haven't gone there yet, but I'm close. Okay. I'm real close. So you need to tell me when that happens, whether you change from high on the thermostat to low, because ever since I started shaving, I am chronically cold to the point that I really? would probably never be able to work in studio with Weeksy because he would freeze me out. I'd so never be saying, able to do it. You're saying this little bit, this it's little, the, it's the stupidest it's, thing in the world. And it's the only common denominator I have with why am I like this now? <laughs> Listen, I, I will eat, I will eat like a, a chicken parm sandwich with some chopped cherry peppers on it that are spicy. You know, I like that. And I'll start doing it. And right here on my landing pad, right up there, you know, on the monkey butt, you know, all of a sudden it's just sweating. It's just yeah. sweating the Lord. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just dripping. No, I'm a, I'm a heat monger. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I will soon enough. I will. I need to get the, the, the cojones to just take it all up. It'd be probably just easier. I don't know but if it's easier. Quick, it's uh, a... quick top three for you. Oh. Because I know well, no, gonna... it's not a top three. Remember? No, um, you know, not a top three. Actually, I, a quick I will not say top that, three. Yeah, I, I will say this. <laughs> I mean, I, when I got my break, which was on Oilers radio back in the mid 90s, 
I still cherish this as, as one of the, you know, great compliments um, and confidence boosts uh, early in my career was that my sidekick for the pregame coverage on radio was legendary oiler, tough guy, Dave Semenko. And Dave was, and the late Dave Semenko, and he, he was really quiet, quite frankly, you know. And as the year went on, my boss, who was very, very, very much a radio professional and someone that you could learn so much from, he really felt like I had a knack for bringing the best out of Dave Semenko in what was probably his second or third year of doing stuff like that. And I think that gave me the confidence, you know, to then just keep feeling good. Even though you're young, you're intimidated by someone who's played the game and won all the Stanley Cups and has this larger than life presence in the city of champions, you know. Um, so, yeah, I always appreciated Dave's honesty because that's, I think, what I was I was able to coax out of him. And from that point on, boy, there, there's too many to mention. Um, like, honestly, you guys will never know how, how, how much you've meant um, to me. And then people that would fall into that same category would be, would be guys like John Shannon, yes. um, you know, yes, former yes. producer, executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, who people in our area certainly would know from all his sports net days too. Um, you know, he took a chance on me in a, in a big market like Toronto to launch Leafs TV and as challenging as it is to be on a uh, fledgling new cable network, uh, the reps are countless and your reputation, if you're lucky enough to keep going up, you know, um, is enhanced by the number of hours you're putting in on television. And John never, ever shied away from putting me out there a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And, and then as fate would have it, one of the guys he introduced me to during that time ended up being with us at NHL network. And that's Gary green, who oh, is yeah. one of the most the helpful, dude. What one of the most dude. helpful, inclusive, caring, nice, well-rounded human beings you will ever meet. And it's, you know, they're just three that helped really shape you know, my career. Uh, and, and the beauty I, of all of this is we can go on and on. And I hope that that's why fans love the game because we all gravitate to somebody that gives them just a little bit more about the game. Right. It's just hockey too. I like yeah. to say, you know, it's yeah. just hockey. And, you know, if I'm not having fun doing it, then shame on me. Like, the, the, you know, you might not like what I, it's like acquired taste for everything, right? Yeah. I, I understand there's going to be people that really love you, right? There's a spectrum of really love, like maternal love that's unrealistic and vitriol hate that's also unrealistic too. You could give that person a hundred bucks and say, here you go for listening. And they'd be like, I hate you. No, I'm not going to take that. So Somewhere in the middle, there's a line of really like, like to really like. And I always like that. I hope that there's enough people that really like you. But you learn from all these people. Gary, was a, that's a fantastic name right there because he was so well-rounded. I, I, I remember I sat with him a lot at the hotel in Toronto and was amazed. And really, I should have. He kind of gave me the advice of do something else in addition to this. And, and it's not that I haven't done other stuff because I have, but not like he did. He absolutely parlayed his knowledge of hockey, learned about arenas and to becoming a very uh, successful man away from the broadcast. And holy smokes, was he smart in, in oh. that regard. And, and bringing up of Shanny too is he's been huge for me. I know he's, he, you know, John is, he's a bulldog, man, or pit bull at times, but you know what? Yeah. So what? It's like, it's like a coach. I mean, Anytime somebody would give us the time of day, right, is what is all you would ask. Like you said, give me the reps, go, let me go. I, I, I really miss those days, you know, um, early on. I'm sure, Marty, you miss them too. You know, when you – it's not that you don't love what you do right now, but, you know, those first days of broadcasting are no different than the first days of playing where you're getting I'll, chances. Hey, we, we believe in you and all that stuff. I'll say this. I love the work that, Billy, you guys do on NHL Network. I do miss – not just my first few days, but I miss like 
remember watching NHL Network and it's and it's building up to what it is now in Canada. Duffer, you guys would do classic series in the summertime. And I'd sit in front of my TV for an hour and they would review the 1987, you know, second round of playoffs between Chicago, whatever. And it's like they would have highlights and interviews and they would you guys would tell the story. I I so those are the people like Gary Green and John Channon and New Duffer and Everybody that was an NHL neck, Dave Reed from the beginning, oh. he's still there. So reader, <laughs> unbelievable. So I, 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 again, I love what NHL network has become, but I remember watching it back then and be like, this is so cool. Cause I was a younger adult maybe, but I, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> my, my last memory of NHL network though, when it was up in Toronto, when I go there 10 days a month or whatever it was, Trust me, when finally, thankfully, Mark Chrysler got us a new studio. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. He finally, oh my God, because the first couple of years, I lost my eyesight on those monitors that were about the size <laughs> of my iPad. And there was a wall of six of them. And they're like, okay, talk about the games that you're watching. Talk about the games. I can't even see them. I mean, <laughs> I mean literally. Dude, know, there were 13 games on at once right. on a Saturday. We've got right. six and we're going to live look in and nobody in the studio or the control room is watching the game that we're going to. Right. <laughs> so it's right. like, can you tell me what's happened here? <laughs> right. Exactly. And they were this, they were, they, I don't even think they were 13 inch screens, but whatever they were on this, not even a wall panel, but whatever they were. Oh, and then right. meanwhile, right down the hall or right down was TSN. And they're like, Oh yeah, we've got four monitors of 50 inch and we got this and that. You're just like, I tell you what, but Hey man, we made it. We made it happen. We had a it good was, time with it. Wasn't it humbling going down to makeup and sitting next to all the TSN personalities? Oh, They're yeah. all getting done up, going into this splashy studio. And we're trudging back to six 12-inch monitors that may or may not be in color. Was Sportsnet <laughs> still there back then? Oh, yeah. Well, okay, so there was like NHL Network, Sportsnet, and TSN kind of sharing a and I remember they used to call the diner Switzerland, right? Because it was the only neutral spot in the whole like campus. Yeah, it was, it was in Scarborough, right? right yeah. Yeah. There. Channel right. nine court, baby. Cha nine yeah. Channel yeah. nine court. Nine channel nine. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Man. Yeah. No, it was at, you know, it, I want to say it was Wayne's world. That's not fair, but it was yeah. at times it kind of felt like a little bit, you know, but I will never forget when I finally started, when we started getting NHL network in the States, it was, it was Nirvana. It was yeah. Nirvana. That's And all of a sudden it was, wait, I can see every game highlight. So great stuff. A lot Billy, of fun to work there. Billy, like, you know, what, what, did, what did you say that was so important moments ago or a while ago now, when we were talking about the Bruins and Linus Allmark was how you miss the opportunity to shake hands and oh, converse yeah. with these guys. The moment that we launched, I was lucky enough to join NHL Network, which had only been in Canada. When it launched in the US and we started going to the marquee events, which typically are like, eh, players want to go, don't want to go, whatever. I will never forget meeting on set, Nick Lidstrom, Joe Thornton, go down the list and they all, couldn't say enough it is so great to have highlights on every night in the united yeah. states that was a real huge moment so for everything that never went right behind the scenes it was really cool to know that you could make an impact you know around the players that we adore watching yeah no it was it was it was all holidays wrapped into one when i started yeah. being able to watch it was awesome Awesome. Yeah. So, okay. Stuff. So the good news is I, I don't think we've offended you other than, you know, staying on twice as long. And so that means the next time <laughs> that you get to come on with us, yeah. then you can invoice a second time, which I know is really important to you. I, you know, I'm not afraid of invoice. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I will, <laughs> as the life of an independent contractor, the invoice is your friend. Uh, I, we may I be paying in chicken wings, though. That's how we do it in Buffalo. We pay in chicken wings. I uh, listen. I will take my heartburn medication before because that's what happens when you lose your hair and you become. You know, I don't want you to be sweating up top too much. Oh, I will be. I will be. <laughs> they come down right there, and I won't sleep. But I will eat you. 
keep my invoice work. Uh, you know where to find us. It's nine channel nine court Scarborough. Yeah. Ontario. Yeah. All right, brother. Hey, thank you for catching up with us. Uh, it has been a true honor to reconnect. I can tell you uh, no word of a lie. The very few times in the last number of years that we've been able to travel and go somewhere. There are two hugs that stand out. Greeting you or you greeting me at the garden on our first trip in forever and seeing Eddie Olchek at the United center after his cancer battle and just being able to go and give him a big hug too. So thank you for always reaching out that way. It's great. I will will be in Marty. I will, I will absolutely hug you you too next time. I take hugs too. I, that support, that's a form of payments for mine as well. (laughs) I like that. No, great stuff. Listen, you guys are awesome. A lot of fun. We've, we've shared a lot of fun stories there. That's, you know, it's great. It makes you appreciate, at least make somebody like me appreciate the uh, the years, the effort, and also the friendship. So yeah. thanks a lot. And the game's on the schedule tonight. Can't wait to watch as the playoffs continue. Thanks so much yep. for joining us on Instigators Overtime presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. We'll see you soon.